to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald, the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on everywhere on social media at, at PW Comics World, and on Publishers Weekly at, at PW... Let's see. Publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay. Calvin Uche does that part, so I forget. Um, so today I am joined by Jen King of the Space Cadets Comic Collection. Is that the correct name, Jen? It's a, it's a horribly repetitive Space Cadets <laughs> Collection Collection. <laughs> well, welcome, Jen. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I laugh at myself because as I'm preparing, I'm sitting on my store, my store, the floor of my store, my kids section. And as I'm preparing to go to, to do the podcast with you, I put hand sanitizer on. For what reason? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I might be shouting and maybe it'll go through the digital airwaves. So, um, so, um, Okay, so you are so busy. I mean, obviously, we've been talking on the podcast for the last couple, uh, six, seven, eight weeks about everyone in the whole world is talking about coronavirus. But, Jen, you sprang into action, I will say. Um, you started a secret forum, which we'll talk about later since it is secret. Um, you've, you help launch something right now called Insider Art, which is a benefit for creators, correct? It's actually a benefit by uh, female and non-binary creators for specifically female and non-binary okay. store owners or co-owners. Okay, there you go. So it's another kind of retail retail relief, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, you also just joined the board of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund as um, a board member, correct? Yeah, that was uh, it's kind of one of those things that you don't ever believe as part of your <laughs> life path, but if it ever became possible, would be a dream. And so I still kind of feel like it might be dream state. Well, I don't think it's a dream because I saw the press release. Um, in addition to this, uh, you have been doing mail order throughout the crisis. Oops. Hello? Yes. I'm okay. here. Okay. Um, you've been doing mail order throughout the crisis. You have live streams where you go on and you, the comic book shopping network, which I also believe you co-founded and you go on there and you go through your store and sell things. So you've been in your store regularly. Is that correct? I spend about 10 hours a day here, uh, except for on Sundays, which has always been my hard, like this is my family day. Right, right. Okay. Well, and so all of that, and then tomorrow your store is reopening because it's located and the Woodlands, Texas. And Texas is open for business tomorrow, correct? It is in some modified fashion. Uh, you know, like they have like a six-foot rule and pretty please wear masks request. And uh, there's a max capacity for your stores and those kinds of things. So we've got a million safety precautions in, in play. That's what we're doing today is like doing all the last-minute things. And right. doing a big floor reset because it doesn't make any sense to have like as as Philip said with Boom Comics is a chance to have a new first day, mm -hmm. and so that's what we're hoping for. Right, right. So wow, well, a lot has happened in the last six weeks. Um, but I, I, I mean, you have always been very, very active. Um, and you know, comics retailing. I've I've seen you at the Diamond Summit. We've talked extensively, and um, you know, you've been on panels. You've talked about stuff. Let's let's start out. I don't even know where to begin because you're again such a busy beaver. But let's talk about uh, comic book shopping network because that actually started before the pandemic, correct? 
It did way before the pandemic. Uh, it's kind of one of those wonderful happenstances that I just ended up on a panel for a diamond summit, I think back in Baltimore. It's got to be four or five or six years ago now with Jesse James from Jesse James comics. And, uh, we just ended up after the panel kind of like hanging out in the hallway and just like talking about what's the future, what's the next big thing for comic books. And we fussed around some ideas then. And one of them, uh, is what became comic book shopping network now. Um, which, uh, we'll have our two year anniversary on Jan- uh, July the 15th for that being an official, uh, uh, business. And that's been just like taking off like crazy right now. Really? So, uh, you, can you ex- just explain a little bit of how it works and what you do and, and, uh, what you sell? Sure. So, uh, the idea was to have a safe place for people to come shop with vetted sellers uh, from shops and or individuals that have just got really great collections and have a big history in the industry Um, and uh, put them all together in one room but to have it all scheduled out so that we're not doing it at the same time and that we can, uh, you know, promote for each other so between one show and the next, when I get done with my show I know who's on the next show and I'll say everybody stay tuned to the Comic Book Shopping Network and and shop with Christina at uh, Oh Yeah Comics and Muncie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, so they have an introduction to the next crowd. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's mm-hmm. interesting about it is really, it's purely a shopping network, right? So people come on to the show and watch us live show them things and just use comments to buy them. But what it's really become is something way more special than that because uh, there are a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of social outlets or they just don't have a lot of time in their day to go and find people that are like-minded. And uh, it has become, for lack of a better word, cheers. Because people come on, you'll see people, like, show up to buy, and everyone in the room goes, get your cheers! <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they, they, they know each other's names. It's totally cheers now. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk to each other about their, their collections and their cats and their dogs and how's their broken arm and it's it's an amazing amazing thing to have somehow created the shop experience, but in a place where no one is physically. So how has how has it um, grown during the closure and the pandemic? Um, let's see. I think for the last sixty days, we just looked at our numbers and we're at sixty thousand interactions. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, right? So right. it's a it's it's grown. Quite a bit. I think before that it was more in the thirty thousand range, mm. which is still really respectable. Right, right. Now, has sales gone up also, or yes? And uh, it's kind of interesting because sales have gone up there, and it kind of has offset the fact that uh, there are almost. I mean, we do curbside, but that's mm-hmm. just a tiny fraction of what we can sell. So mm-hmm. it, it's really helped keep us above water in the sense that we don't have to lay anybody off. All my employees are still employed. Right. So this this um so this mail order, you know, home shopping network has actually been enough to keep the store to keep the lights on and everybody employed during the pandemic. Huh. Yes, absolutely. So so let's talk about um I mean I want to come back to that. Obviously all anyone has been talking about in the comics industry is, you know, comic shops, distribution wars, diamond 
DC, all that, and I want to come back to that. I'm sure you have some opinions on it, but um, insider <laughs> art. I mean, obviously, Calvin and Kate and I have been talking about the distress of comic shops, and sadly, there are a lot that have already closed. We saw Forbidden Planet here in New York with a three hundred thousand dollar GoFundMe, which is a big ask. Um, and so tell us about how Insider Art came about and who is involved and what you are doing. So uh, Shelley Bond and I tend to have be of the same opinion about a great many things. Uh, she has a giant heart for the industry. And a lot of people don't know who she is, but she's an amazing editor. She is. She, uh, yeah. yeah. Shelly has been. If a, you've ever met her. <laughs> yes. Well, Shelly and I work together. So, yes. Yeah. So, we, yeah. yes. But she is. She's, uh, when you said heart, Shelly's all heart, like 100% okay. heart. Yeah. And I think we uh, were just chatting in general. And uh, she said, Jen, we need to do something. Like, absolutely. What What other things can we do that aren't already being done specifically? And she says, well, I'm an editor and I know lots of editors and I do anthologies and I, I have this concept of an awesome anthology we could do. We could do, you know, offer digitally first because that'll be when it's ready first and everyone can get after it. And then with the hopes of having a print run later on, which I'm sure everyone will want one of these because they just, it sounds like a cool project. Um, and then she had some other side ideas and said, we, we want you involved. How can we have you involved? And I said, well, I'm good at fundraising. It's on my end. <laughs> if we have objects that are donated, I'm good at helping uh, make those into dollars that we can get to retailers. Uh, but there's a, it's a bunch of different parts of the insider art. There is the anthology, which will be 200 pages or more, really, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's my part, which is I'm selling items that are donated uh, to the project through eBay. Uh, the first batch that are up right now are mostly things that were donated by local people, just my local uh, customer base and or people from the comic book shopping network that heard kind of rumorings that I was going to be doing some fundraising soon. So they just sent really awesome stuff out uh, without even knowing what it was for, because that's mm-hmm. the kind of people that they are. They're awesome. Uh, and then there's the other part of it, which is cool. They're doing actually, I don't know if you heard of this uh, site called Spoonflower, which makes special fabrics. I've learned uh, about it. I did not know about it before, but I do now. <laughs> yeah. So they've got two different fabrics they're producing for the fundraiser. One of them is going to be done by, they've asked a bunch of different artists to do cats. Mm-hmm. And then that will be an adult cat's fabric. And that's not to mean that it's like adult content. (laughs) They were made by the adult group. And then we'll have a whole one that was uh, created by kids. So there'll be definitely more kid-looking kitty cats. Uh And so there'll be two different fabrics that'll be produced uh, that you can purchase by the yard. (laughs) Right. And then, uh, yes, I mean, I did not know about about uh, Spoonflower before, but I saw people making these spectacular, you know, masks, face masks, which are obviously our new, you know, jam for fashion and personal expression. And and then I learned that it is, a, you know, it's a place that sells custom-made fabric. Where and I mean, you can make a dress, you can make a, you can make a pants, you can make a, whatever, you know, tablecloth or or a face mask. So that's really fantastic. Um, is it? Uh, so I imagine Shelley's handling the editorial. Uh, is the the um the uh, so the anthology will be by limit, uh, well, uh, women and non-binary creators as well, or mm-hmm. yes, yes, it is. It's exclusively made by them. And anybody that's uh, not in that group that wants to contribute in some way, uh, we don't need you for the anthology necessarily. 
but for any kind of like donated art, you can totally get it to me. You don't actually actually get, have to get me the mm-hmm. art itself or any of the donations. I just need pictures and dimensions, and I will put it up to raise money with, and then I'll get you the information for who, for who uh, won the fundraising. Right, and, and how how can they contact you if people want to be involved in this? The easiest way is to just get to me at my personal email, which is M-I-N-G, the number four, and then K-I-N-G at yahoo.com. So okay. it's just Ming for King at Yahoo. Ming for King at Yahoo.com. Um, well, that's, yeah. that's great. Now, it sounds like you have not been, that, you know, Space Cadets Collection Collection uh, has not been in need of um, financial aid necessarily um, during this time. Um, but there have been quite a few, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's been trying to do things for the shops out there. Um, I mean, do you, how, I mean, do you have any feeling about, you know, how that's worked out for stores? Um, you know, Bink has certainly been something that's been helping them out. Um, there's a lot of ways to receive help, some of which are much more difficult to actually have come to fruition. I know Bink is backlogged right now. Mm-hmm. I know that they're that they will be able to make it through all of those, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's, a, it's it's manpower at this point to be able to to process all of those things because uh, they do have a lot of money coming in from uh, I think Jim, is Jim Lee's money going into that? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, because they created. So I, I I think you know we talked about this last week on our podcast, but it seemed like when this began, like comics are such a strong community. I'm sure, you know as you've been saying, and everybody was just like you know man the battlements, and then there was really no way to do it. But then this this comic book fund was set up uh, as part of Bank, and that's really been a great way to channel some of these efforts. Yeah, and it's wonderful that, I mean, it kind of was led the way by Lion Forge, who created the Forge Fund. <laughs> and then it's, true. Uh, then it's gone, it's, it's taken off from there, right? I, I don't want the, anyone to lose sight that, you know, Lion Forge did donate a million dollars ahead of any of this, mm-hmm. just for the end case, not knowing that this was coming down the pipe. Was it really a so, million dollars? That's what they said. Oh, I'll be darned. All right, well... You know, having worked with Dave Stewart, uh, he is a very generous person, and um, he was prescient in that case. So yeah, I'm. I'm I know that uh, most of the fellow store owners that I've talked to have had a lot of difficulty either getting a PPP loan or the EIC. I think it's called mm-hmm. loan. That uh, that they they find themselves fairly frustrated by that, as all the instructions say you can only apply for it once. And that kind of feels like if you've applied for it and you've, you know, and, and no one's gotten back to you and you don't know if you're in the process, mm-hmm. you don't know if that paperwork's been lost or if, and, but you're terrified to put it in again in case that disqualifies you. So there's so many unknowns, I think, that, I, you know, I'm I'm not one of those people that's willing to wait around and see if something happens, if I can do something. Mm-hmm. So that's that's also why the Insider Art Program has has as a launch because I was like, this is something I know that I can, I can be in charge of money physically that gets to people that I know need it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Jen, uh, you did, uh, you know, you spoke out, I mean, obviously there's been so much turmoil, um, because of not being able to get new comics and, um, you, you know, you, Brian Hibbs, definitely for the prosecution when DC announced their multi-distribution plan, and, um, you know, Brian was very vociferous and pretty much joined by a lot of people in the industry. 
uh, you know, most of the poobahs, I guess you'd say. Whereas you and Jesse were, were, um, I mean, you put a plea for civility out there. Uh, you know, you were like, let's be positive. And, um, I mean, what did you think about, what do you think about DC's scheme, DC's plan? Well, I think there's two different ways to go about this, right? There's a, a public facing response to things like this. And I think we as retailers mess that up big time. Because the public didn't need to know about those things or the controversy around them because now they feel like they're, they have to pick between grandma and grandpa, right? Which mm-hmm. one's the best? And I don't think that was the way to go about it. But, um, for me, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure most retailers got this email. Mm-hmm. They probably got one from Adam Phillips and they probably got one from, uh, Mr. Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Just asking, hey, where are you in terms of being able to be open or your need to have new comics? And so I answered honestly in my part and said, I can still sell comics uh, via the mail and live. So for me personally, I I would not mind having comics reappear at any given moment. And however you guys need to do that in order to survive, if survival is on the line... I will support any way that you guys go about it. Mm-hmm. And so when the announcement came out, you know, I, I like to think I'm a person of my word. I don't want to be the person that, that says immediately, you know, in a private email, I said, go ahead and do comics any way you can get them out and then publicly shame me for it. Doesn't seem like my kind of thing. Right, right. So, so for me personally, I felt it was important to support them in that you know, they heard whoever said privately they would like comics and uh, and came through with it, although it was a kind of an interesting way to go about it. Uh-huh. I, I don't think it's going to make or break me to be able to, to buy my comics for a few months from my competitor. I, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I'm good. I mean, it. it you know... Um... I hope you're good. Well, I mean, you know, Steve Jeppe did say in his talk the other day, it will take two, more than two months to destroy the industry. And, you know, he got some laughter at that. But you know what? He's right. I mean, you know, I mean, we are going to come out of this in a very different place, but it's not going to destroy things. You know, it's like like a hurricane comes and knocks down your roof gutters and takes out some windows, but the house is still standing, you know. But maybe right. you have to put up a new new section. Right. Um, do What do you think of the good things that can come out of this? I was actually just talking to a retailer about this just before I came on with you. Uh, we were talking that I think something that's needed to change in the industry for quite a long time is, uh, I don't know how we got there really, uh, where uh, we buy comic books uh, for our customers and um, with the idea and the, you know, the implicit promise that they're going to come pay for them. But then it became kind of a, we may or may not want to come buy those books. And you should hold on to those for six months or more for us while we find time and time to buy them. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that that was like, I don't know if any other industry in which that's the way it works. And uh, everyone else, I think, <laughs> bills when they get stuff, right? Well, I mean, you know, I'm a Uniqlo addict and I'm always order. Even now I order, you know, every once in a while I order something from Uniqlo. And I have to pay for it first. You know, they I pick yeah. it up at the store if the store is open. But I have to pay for it first. Yeah, I think in, in this regard, right now we find ourselves in the best possible position to be able to say – Hey, my sweet customers who support me and I love you. Um, I cannot, after being closed for a month, 
now start taking on the added, you know, credit of buying books <laughs> for you that uh, I don't immediately then get paid for within a week because then I have to write another check next week to buy more comics for you. And uh, the, pro- the process needs to be a little more quick than it has been. So we've actually, I, I just announced that uh, we're going to weekly billing. So yeah. our customers pay through Square already when they come. That's the, the process we use for yeah. credit cards. So I would say you're just going to get a Square invoice. If you come in within that week and pay in person, like you would use cash, it's totally cool. You don't have to pay that invoice. But if you can't make it in, just pay the invoice. You don't have to pay your credit card payment for a whole month, so it's just a monthly bill like anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll keep us open and your comic books coming. Well, there you, you know, this is not an issue that I've actually heard other people bring up. Um, but just uh, to put it into perspective, when I was a kid, you know, showing my age here, but, uh, you know, I had a local comic shop and I had a pull list because I couldn't get there regularly. And I remember when they raised, like, the price of comics from... 35 to 50 cents and I went in and I had a gigantic pile of comics and I said oh I can't afford these I'm putting these back and uh you know the store owner was a friend of mine and uh he was like okay but then when I came back the next week he was like everybody did that Heidi and you know this is a disaster and you know like like so I learned at an early age (laughs) don't you know you're really going to Piss off your retailer if you have a big policy you don't pay for it. So because they're stuck with the product, doesn't make me mad so much as like really sad. And sometimes it like it because I think most everybody thinks to themselves, "I only have two books that came in this week in my pull box, so it's not a big deal." But when you're a store that has 300 pull boxes, 400 pull boxes, that number adds up to some giant amount of money that uh, is tied up, and you cannot spend on anything else. So <laughs> Right, right, right. Um so uh um you know my um oh man I have so many questions for you Jen. I have so many questions that my mind is spinning with which one to ask next. Uh but now you do not belong to Comic Hub, is that correct? I don't, although uh I did reach out to Stu uh, right before everything got crazy and he got kind of inundated with people asking right. to join. Right, right. Uh, my, my problem's always been, I have a, I have a consignment POS program for my store because mm-hmm. I take in a lot of consignment. Mm-hmm. And so we've been talking for probably a year and a half or so about how that would even work for the program that he has right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's, I think it's just a matter of like getting him, like even maybe in front of my store so he can see what I'm trying to say about what can't work. Because he, you know, he's like, oh, we'll just code it all and it'll all get sucked into the system. But he doesn't understand that, like, I have, I have three customers that have the exact same item, right. but in different conditions and at different prices, and so the system won't understand that. Right. So, right. But uh, <laughs> so you're, in, but... I, I would totally go with him. Mm-hmm. I just, it, it's a logistics problem that we just can't overcome. So, okay. So, but I mean, do you think? I mean, let's go through, you know, let's go back in time to, you know, another idea that quickly got shot down was Comic Hub. And, um, cause I, I mean, you know, part of the, you know, it is a POS system. It's not just, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very, it has a, so many features that probably too many for the software as it is right now. But, um, uh, I mean, would, co- would a Comic Hub like solution kind of help set up this kind of, you know, like, hardcore pull box system that you're advocating? Oh, absolutely. Cause I, and I think that's, that's one of the, the 
pluses of that system is it really do i think it i think it has a way to just bill people as their books come in uh and I think it's an amazing program. I'm really beside myself that I can't figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I and we may. We, I told him. I said, "Is there a way for me to? Because I have a whole bunch of product in my back warehouse that can be set aside to be only Cobb and Hub, and uh, get all that launched into there. We don't have to worry about any of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But we just never got back together to figure out if I could have a separate POS program on a different computer and have it run that way. Right. But I think that's probably the way I'll go, honestly, mm-hmm. because I have so much really great recent backstock that that needs to go out there yeah and i think one of the things like i mean i've always been very pro comic hub just uh but you know for a little bit of a selfish reason for me is that i know that they report to bookscan and um you know they that bookscan is data yeah it's data that is about sell through not sell in and uh you know i always said that would be the great disruptor uh but i didn't see this pandemic coming you know you said uh, so okay before i uh did like i said my head's swimming with questions for you um okay so one of the arguments um you know the comic hub digital solution i mean i don't really think they were there yet but anyway shot down um you know dc trying to ship comics shot down um although obviously a lot of retailers actually did do it um you, you know and we've pondered uh, on so many podcasts that um you know, maybe what's in jeopardy here is actually the act of buying comics every week and, you know, not necessarily what the method is. And, you know, I mean, Brian, who I love to death, you know, is one of my best friends in the industry, really doesn't think that that's as much of a problem as digital, which I, I think we've proven that digital isn't going to kill print, but okay. Um, but I mean, do you, do you, I mean, is, is it troubling to you that, that, comic books weekly comic books became a product that you simply couldn't get over the last six weeks well i mean i it makes me crazy right because i am first and foremost a fan of comic books Mm -hmm. so to be then denied the reading of my favorite things it was very very hard which is honestly where plan c came from because i wanted access to something Mm -hmm. (laughs) to read that was new to me and so that that was born that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Plan C is a is a forum that you started that um, you know journalists were banned from, which very sad about. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about what what that is. Uh, I wanted to put uh, creators, retailers, and publishers in a room all together and let them just brainstorm the fire out of stuff. And be able to connect with each other. So if anyone was in the situation like I was, where I still had an audience for new product, but was cut off from the product end of it, could I reach out to people that had wonderful product, but just wasn't being distributed through the regular channels? And the reason for not having press in there is because I had so many uh, people say that they didn't feel like they could talk freely about just pie in the sky ideas for fear of being misquoted or misunderstood. And even though I know you would never, ever, ever do that, there, I knew that they would not be able to talk freely if they knew there were people in the room. No, I get, you know, I 100% get it, you know, and I mean, when you told me, I respected your, the hell out of your decision. So, you know, I mean, that's just how it is. Um, I do think there is, well, I, uh, 
I, I think it's interesting, you know, like, like, uh, you, you know, Calvin Reed who does the podcast normally, like, uh, there was a, I think when Bink or one of the book industry groups had a meeting, they actually called Calvin in to audit it because they wanted to get the news out there. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, there's some need because in the brief time that I was on there, I learned an awful lot about the good things about retailers. And I mean, I know you know me and, and you're vouching for me. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, but I, I, I wish there was a way that, uh, the press could actually see the good things about retailers and their thinking as a, cause now it's always like either it gets leaked to some other site or, you know, Brian writes something and send Harry. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's kind of not a good, good way i don't know that's that's an idea that's plan x i guess yeah. that's, um, a, that's really the tough part right because yeah. it, it, it just takes one bad actor to make it a place where no one wants to talk anymore yeah and so I'm, i desperately don't want that to happen yeah so but do you think i mean on I, I have just seen people ask you know like like why is dc doing this you know and i'm like Cause they want to sell their comics to people who want to read them I mean, yeah, is, is that the smartest possible way, right? So they picked out, so what came out this week and that I got and sold out of immediately were two reprints. There was a third print and a second print of a book. And then there were, uh, it was a giant size book, number four or something. And then some, some horror titles and a vertigo title. Mm-hmm. And you, and that was it. And you say you sold out of them already. Completely sold out. All right. Uh, and you sold them how? How did we people, if I was a uh, space cadet collect, collection, collection, collector, and I said, I want to get, uh, oh, what was the one? Blanche Fury or something. It had a great title that I can't remember. Oh, Daph- Daphne Byrne? Daphne Byrne. I said, I want Daphne Byrne number four. How did I get that? Um, really, it was all my pull box people and then people directly messaging me that they wanted to have them mm-hmm. and then everything else went live on i, I always do a live uh, new to you tuesday mm-hmm. show on the comic book shopping network to give everybody first looks for stuff that they can pick up the next day mm-hmm. but uh it, yeah that that was where everything went and i have no idea how to judge how what the volume is going to be for that group, especially now as the group's grown so much, and I don't mm-hmm. know their their shopping habits of the the new group yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and you said another. You wrote you wrote something on your your personal page that I quoted, but I thought it was a bombshell. And then nobody really cared about it, which just goes to show you. But uh, I, I think I read this. <laughs> I read this on a previous. Um, previous podcast so now i'll ask you about it directly uh you said i've been helping connect publishers retailers distributed together and this is one that feels like a great fit corner box is owned by parent company d6 which already distributes games and has a huge warehouse in iowa and has all the infrastructure present to get this going quickly an option to the other ones recently presented if we can get a quorum of retailers signed up if the publishers are watching to see if retailers like this format and will join if we do so you you know a little bombshell here is that other distribution methods for comics are already out there and apparently gaming distributors can carry comics comic books yeah this was this was born out of um this is a a specific publisher which i don't know if i have permission to say who it is Mm -hmm. so i won't that's fine uh, a small press publisher uh said you know they really wanted to have a a way to get comic books out 
And uh, what they were hearing from everybody is they didn't have a way to print and they didn't have a way to move them because everyone, all the warehouses were shut down. So they went immediately and went on a search. Who has a legitimate warehouse with warehousing that's extra, that's available, and the infrastructure to already do it and can have quick turnaround? And so they found this company called D6, which already does games, and said that they could be up and running and distributing comics within eight days of us saying that we had both publishers and retailers that wanted to use the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, the you know, this is really truly a chicken and egg situation where everybody in the circle mm-hmm. was waiting for everyone else to make a move. So <laughs> I, I still don't actually know where that process is. So I, I, that was my plea to be like, hey, retailers, if you want this option that isn't either Midtown or DCBS, then you got to put your name in the pot so that the publishers see that there's this many people in the pot that are interested in this as another way. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that um, there are some other publishers, smaller publishers, that are also going through a gaming company. I'm pretty sure it's not the one you're talking about, actually. So, okay. um, you know, this is apparently some, like I said, it's some kind of little loophole. And actually, I guess GameStop selling comics was probably part of this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, th- 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 this didn't destroy comics as far as I can tell yet. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it, this is, I, I always use, I like it to, to totally mess up a, a Dune quote and say the comics must flow. <laughs> well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, it's like, I, I do, I, I, I mean, I'm just very concerned. I, like I said, I think that the comics stopping flowing is, you know, and Diamond's part in that is actually pretty serious, you know, and, and you don't want people to forget that these things exist, you know, whether it's, it's kind of desperate measures, which sort of is what DC did, but, you know, get them, get them out there. Why shouldn't we be able to buy these things that are already printed and already sitting there waiting to be sold? Because we, because if we don't start moving them fairly soon, we also have the added problem of we have so much backlog that's already at, at Diamond. How do they send those out in a way that does not a bankrupt stores mm-hmm. with the volume to start and uh, and doesn't you know leave them bankrupt on the back end of not having any product because they have everyone with pencils down. So this is I don't know Diamond is going to do some magic and make this work the best they can yes and we've got it's our job to not be a cog in the wheel that like all we're doing is complaining about everything that they're doing because they're doing their very best because i can 100 percent guarantee you that they're not sitting in their offices thinking about how they can take comic book retail down (laughs) i I mean that's the thing it's like uh you know i mean i just think there was a lot lot of them i mean you know people are very fraught right now myself included uh you know it's a terrible time for the for everybody who's going through this and um you know so i have a lot of forgiveness for the emotions that ran high but um uh yeah i i I mean would you would you have any fear of a multi-distributor you know ordering things from different distributors I don't, I mean, I started in this business in 95 when there were three mm-hmm. and it was fine. I mean, it was, it was what, it, it was the norm then. So, um, I just think that a lot of people have gotten used to the way it is now and, and see any competition for diamond 
as being horribly bad and will kill Diamond. And I don't think that's the way Diamond sees it. And I don't think it's certainly not the way Mr. Jeffy sees it because mm-hmm. he has said as much that, I mean, I think competition is actually healthy for the industry. And the reason why it shrunk down to one is because there just wasn't enough business in the game to merit the, the you know, the high dollar amount that it takes to run a distributorship. I think so, that's, yeah, I think that's a very important point, actually. When Diamond did become a monopoly, it was like a low point in the comics industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we certainly, you know, before the pandemic began, we were absolutely not at a low point. In fact, I've seen quite a few sales charts uh, that show that it was, you know, doing better than last year. Um, it was surprisingly robust. And I mean, of course, that includes bookstores and, you know, all of that channel as well. But, but you know, comics were riding high and, and you know, they'll they'll ride high again. Um, what can you explain? I'm, my, my mind... You know, I try to cover retailer issues, but then a couple things happen. There are a couple of issues that where my mind just can't function, and this is one of them. What is the? Can you explain to us the Tuesday versus Wednesday issue? Okay, so DC decided to make their comics available on a Tuesday. Comics are traditionally sold on a Wednesday. Uh, what does that mean, and how did it play out? I'm not really sure why the Tuesday release except for maybe the way that they're releasing them now through those other two stores. That's what they needed to have happen to be able to still run their, their shops for new comic, you know, quote unquote Wednesday, since they were having to handle all the rest of the industry stuff. Uh I'm not a hundred percent certain. I don't think there's any kind of like weird nefarious plot to change new comic book day or to, to derail that in any way. Uh-huh. I think that uh, it's pretty simple for me to say, sure, DC new comics are coming out on Tuesday, but uh, we're processing on Tuesday, so you guys can pick them up on Wednesday with the rest of your books, where it's when it's more convenient to have them all together. I, you- I, don't, I don't, I see it as kind of an almost a non-issue. Uh-huh. Maybe someone can explain to me why it's a terrible thing, and I'm just not <laughs> wrapping my mind around it. It's entirely possible that I'm missing the thing that's making it horrible, but well, I don't I- know what it is. A couple of, just for listeners who might also not be aware of this, so comics go on sale on Wednesday, and traditionally, I believe they were shipped to stores Wednesday morning. So then everybody had to run out and, you know, get ready for their Wednesday warriors to come and pick up their books. So then some accounts that were trusted would get started to get their books on Tuesday, correct? Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, so we, we, we get them a day early, so we have them uh, on the racks in the morning when customers come instead of getting them, you know, at 1 p.m. when UPS would show up and then have customers stand there while you try to process them. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen Wednesday morning at stores and it isn't pretty. And, um, you know, in the old system. So now people were getting them on Tuesday. Uh, I, however, because it was believed that some stores would, would cheat uh, they have a secret shopper system where that goes around and checks, even though every other industry gets stuff and uh, doesn't, you know, do the lay down. But, um, you know, it's comics are special. They're super special. Um, let's put it that way. You know, uh, Jen, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit. I do think okay, there go. is an agenda of the Tuesday delivery. I believe that is... Uh, p- perhaps, and uh, you know, this is a story I'm trying to investigate, and it's very difficult because lips are sealed. But you know, just what is the part of AT and T and Disney, and what is going on? And I do think there has been, 
a desire at Warner Brothers to have all the products come out on Tuesday because that's the day that books go out. That's the day that home video comes out. You know, it's the day that everything but comics comes out. And mm-hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me if there were some internal desire to steer the ship towards a Tuesday universal release date. That I mean, it on the on the surface of it, it makes a lot of sense. It just kind of upends industry that has been at least for a long time a Wednesday release industry. Uh, it, w- it would take a while for everyone to get used to it, but then that puts us at we need our books delivered on Mondays. Right. That's right. Yes. So, you know, it's a ripple effect. Um, now you are, what kind of, you know, what books do you sell in your stores? Back in, you know, the before time of February, uh, what were some of the best selling books in your store? Uh, we're actually a fairly balanced store between Marvel, DC, and Indies. Um, we have a lot of strength in our indie lines. Uh, we do very well with Scout and Vault and, uh, let's see, everything. Aftershock, Source Points, uh, IDW, Dark Horse, Boom. Like we carry really everything that we can fit on our racks, which, which is 440 facings right now. Wow. I think I just added some more for the, for the super indies that we've been carrying recently. I took down an entire display and, and replaced it with that. But, uh, we, we do a whole bunch of, what Brian hates being called floppies, but mm. I don't know. I may be from a, di- a weird generation that calls them that. But uh, uh, And then we do a whole bunch of trade paperbacks. It's interesting how strong trade paperbacks have been right now during closure, that mm. people, when they're calling up, are usually asking for trade paperbacks that they can they can peruse over and not necessarily the individual issues. Well, this is kind of a story that, you know, like while all this drama has been happening on the one side, is not been quite as prominent in the comics industry talk just because, you know, drama sells. But, um, you know, graphic novels have been selling right along and through various channels. I mean, Amazon, they're delayed, uh, but you can get them. You know, bookshop.org. I mean, this is something I'm hearing a lot more about. Um, and, uh, you know, they did it's, not... That's on my list of things to go and look at because I don't know what it is. So, need yeah, so let me, actually, I was going to ask you about that too because so bookshop.org is uh, run by the, uh, it's a, a company, if you're, you're a comic shop can use it, ABA, uh, American Bookstore Association, which is indie bookstores essentially can use it. And you, you set up a, a shop on there using their software, which isn't, as uh just pretty simple but uh and then ingram you you sell a book ingram ships it out and you make 30 percent um so it's not a huge margin but you don't have to really do anything either um and it's what's really funny is that during on on tuesday uh steve jeppy the, the ceo founder of diamond did this chat uh you know a youtube chat and which is kind of the first time one of the major players has really stepped forward and you know spoken publicly so um, and at one point, he actually said, you know, it would be cool if, or, you know, or maybe it would help if uh, single issues could be shipped through Diamond in a similar fashion. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it sounds just like bookshop.org. And then Jeppy said, you know, they have bookshop.org. So, I mean, I guess the idea is that Diamond has these comics and, you know, you, I mean, if this had existed already, it's kind of the comic cub solution, but you could have had a storefront and, you know, all of you could have put up uh, Daphne Byrne number four and, uh, you know, if Diamond had been able to ship, they would have just fulfilled it for you at a, at a lower margin. I, I, it, it, 
I know that someone's going to try to find what the what the twist is or the the, the back end on that is, uh-huh. but given on its face, it seems like the most brilliant thing ever. <laughs> Might quote you on that. Um, so yeah, because I was just thinking, wouldn't that make everyone happy? And you know, sure, you would have had reduced margins, but you could have. Um, you know, you could have sold your comics. We never would have had this break. And um, anyway, yeah. well, what a shoulda, coulda. You know, next time there's a global pandemic, we'll be, we'll have better ideas, <laughs> that, right? You know, uh, we would have uh, better things to do. Um, uh, let me see, what else did I have? Okay, let's talk about Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Um, and awesome. yeah, so have you been? I, I, I feel like I'm. I kind of already thought you were a board member, but, uh, you know, uh, how long have you been involved with the organization and, you know, what do you hope to achieve with this? So I actually have a back history with them uh, in that my first business partner in 95 when I opened my first store, my first store was called Planet Comics because my business partner owned Planet Comics in Oklahoma City. And uh, our agreement was he was going to provide some fixtures for me in my first couple months of comics while I was getting my new account set up. And then that was kind of going to be his entire involvement in the in the thing and maybe mm. give me some mentorship. Well, I think in the month that we opened, he actually had the DA from Oklahoma City uh, come and uh, come after him hardcore for uh, violations uh, for, I think, a pornography statute. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was books, I think, that were in pull boxes uh-huh. that, uh, they pulled out and, and, and said specifically were, were pornographic, like uh-huh. erotic, uh-huh. which everyone had in their pull boxes back then, so he was kind of singled out. Uh-huh. And, uh, the defense fund came and to defend him, but I don't think that he understood how far the fund was going to go for him. Right. And he got, he gave up uh-huh. because, you know, and he really did. He lost his house. He lost the business. He lost his wife. Uh-huh. He, lo- he lost everything because he didn't, he didn't fully understand it. And I was like, this is my chance to go and make sure all retailers know what the fund will do for them. If they ever have any of their first amendment rights questioned, uh, they will go all the way and they've got the top lawyers to defend First Amendment rights for comic book retailers, they 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 will come and make sure that you don't have you, that you don't personally face those kinds of tragedies. And uh-huh. um, I, I was super happy that they asked me, and I, I hope I serve that function well for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, you know, actually, if you go to the CBLDF site, uh, you can find the case files, and it's up there: Oklahoma versus Planet Comics. And um, you, you know, I, I think for listeners, I mean, a lot of you know, comics readers and creators were just not even born then or so little. So, you know, it's kind of hard to believe. But, yes, back in the 90s, comic shop owners would be arrested for selling pornography. And that is why the CBLDF was founded. And even though that seems like a ludicrous um, uh, threat nowadays, hey, you, mm-hmm. crazier things have happened, people, um, and are happening right now. And so, you know, the First Amendment... Uh, 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 you know, aspect of the CBLDF is still very important in case there is some kind of, of case. Um, but also, I will say the CBLDF has really stepped up in terms of helping retailers through this. I mean, they were the first and the most organized to have resources and, um, you know, they were really right there. Absolutely. They, they had podcasts that they're putting up for help for helping uh, retailers figure out 
how they can reach their customers as an alternative to their normal walk-in. And yeah, that CN has been on the front lines making sure as much information is out there as possible. Yes. She's amazing. Yeah, she is really fantastic. And, um, you know, they are, well, congratulations again. I'm sure having, uh, as our listeners can tell, you have a super wide uh, knowledge of the industry and uh, I'm sure having the CBLDF uh, uh, you on the board would be a great thing. You know, they also got Bob Wayne on the board. I will say that. And, you know, there's so many jokes that could be made about Bob and he would love them all. But uh, obviously Bob is also a tremendous uh, addition for the CBLDF to have on their board because I will say we're sure to face a lot of new challenges. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? We are sure. <laughs> Lots of new challenges. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, so I, I, what is what is the situation in Texas, and what's going to happen at your store tomorrow, a Friday, when you actually people will be listening to this podcast on that day? Uh, I think uh, both our area and Dallas are opening up on the same day to limited retail, and. Uh, so what it looks like, I think, in practice is uh, just as much safety procedures as we can. I think the only ones that they've told us that for sure we have to do is we're only allowed to have 25% of our capacity in, mm-hmm. which I guess they're using fire marshal code numbers is my guess. Um, and other than that, they've really kind of left it up to us. So uh, they've, they've said they're not going to mandate uh, the wearing of facial masks. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, mm-hmm. Texas. All right. Yeah. I, I very sweetly ask people, like, if possible, please wear facial mask. A costume is good. Right. <laughs> it's, part of, it's a cosplay every day. Why not? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I will you... A, I need to hashtag that. Yeah. Will you be at the store tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I am every day, so... Right. So are you going to have staffers working there, or, you know, what are you going to have on your end? So we've gotten ourselves, we, we thought about it, and we don't think that it'll be a huge high traffic day as everyone's kind of just still trying to, the public let us shake out all our procedures mm-hmm. before they come. Uh, although I have been told lots of times I'm totally going to be there, so I don't know what it's going to look like when the door opens. But uh, we've, we're just doing limited hours from 12 to 6 because we figured that would probably serve the needs of most of our customer base. And so we only need really one staff member here at a time, mm-hmm. plus me. And since I've been here the whole time, I've, you know, <laughs> I've touched everything in the store and cleaned it all. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, that, you know, that is, uh, what my concern would be, honestly, um, about starting up retail again is, I'm gonna put this on Facebook, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a germaphobe, but obviously I'm taking, you know, huge precautions. Um, but I'm not, you know, bleaching my vegetables. But then I saw this woman touch each and every bunch of scallions, like each and every one. Like she was looking for the perfect scallions and, you know, she was wearing gloves, which don't help anything. And, no. you know, like, like if I go to shopping, I touch something and it, and it turns out it's something I don't want. I feel super duper guilty about putting it back, you know, but, you know, people touch things. People, I mean, comic shops, hey, this ain't a library, but people like to flip through things. Yeah, we're actually, we're, we, we fussed about that. We're actually asking people not to wear gloves. Um, and if they have gloves on that they've brought in with them to have staff members touch things for them, uh-huh. because then they're bringing things in with them. We don't know when the, where those gloves have been or where they touch things. Right. Correct. Correct. <laughs> but, it is. But, yeah. You are much better off washing your hands and using yeah, hand sanitizer. We're, we're asking people please to wash their hands because just like everywhere else, hand sanitizer is not something you can get. 
Uh, so we didn't want to say you have to use hand sanitizer because then we'd have to spend $80 a gallon to get it shipped in from somewhere else, maybe, if we can find it. So uh, we're doing we, – we can always find soap. So we're, mm-hmm. we're asking people to go wash their hands for for – the 20 seconds just like everyone's supposed to do when they go in anywhere right right (laughs) at this point surely everyone's got that habit down well that you know humans are very adaptable and uh you know we've learned a lot of things so um but but just uh you know just to again put a little capper on this aside from the dc comics which aren't available because they're sold out uh you will not be having new comics until about um may 20th is that correct that's correct, except for uh, because of the the people that I've reached through Plan C, I do have uh, between 10 and 15 new comic titles every week. Mm-hmm. They're just not the traditional stuff. Right, right. Well, you know, we could do a whole podcast talking about that because I know that you are a huge, uh, like you said, a, a, you know, a huge supporter of indie comics. And I know you've told me in the past that you sell, you know, vault titles, as, you know, as much as as some Marvel titles, you know, like you have you know, indie comics sell very, very well in your store. And um, I would love to find out more about how you do that. But yeah, some of these titles that I've brought in in these last this last month. I'm on my third order, and I order ten at a time, so that's yeah, a pretty are, big, decent Marvel selling title at and, this point. And these are from like small, very small back of the catalog publishers, correct? Yeah, these are. I think all of these are ones that don't that that haven't made diamond at all. I think these are are, are either kickstarted in the past or haven't. They're just you know these people are just getting them made through Kaboom. Mm-hmm. As as I order them, they're they're having Kaboom make another batch for me. <laughs> how do you how did you art? Right, I ask one more question, and then we are going to be out of time. But how did you uh, develop such a curious uh, clientele that is so willing to try new things? Uh, I think that because I read the books myself, and I hand sell in the fashion that I, or even when I'm doing it just live on Facebook, the way I hand sell is I tell the story the way I see it without spoilers. And then I tell them, because I am recommending it to you, it is 100% returnable. So if you get it home and read it and it's not your jam, bring it back or send it back to me and I'll find you something that is. Mm-hmm. Because my, my whole heart is to have them find something that they like, not not to make my $4 and say, ha-ha. <laughs> right, right. So in other words, you've become a trusted member of the community. Yeah. Yeah. I well, so. <laughs> I think that is... Um, the one thing with all the drama and all the stress and all the accusations and everything um i've learned it more than ever just as much that comics are one big community and sometimes there's a neighbor scuffle and but but uh, pretty much we're all in this together this is absolutely true and i i, I do celebrate everyone's uh right and need to express their opinions about things. I think that if we if we squash that and say you can only be positive, then we don't have changes when things need to be called out. So there is a there's a real importance to people speaking their mind. Um, I'll just be the other person in the corner being the positive. Like I'm instead of being the devil's advocate, I'm always. <laughs> Angel advocate, I guess. Well, you know, we need that. We need to have both sides of it. And um, Jan King, uh, Space Cadet Community, or Space Cadet Collection Collection in the Woodlands, Texas. Um, thank you for joining us here uh, on More to Come.
Thank you. It's wonderful. Yeah. And as always, despite everything, there will be more to come. 